Alexa, what time is it? The time is 6.28 p.m. Ah, well, so we're a little bit late. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. So, Ian, how's your week been? It's been a funny old one. Um, very busy at work again. Um, and I guess probably the, the milestone yesterday was day 89. Um, so back at the start of lockdown, I, I'm i still not quite sure why I did, but I said I'd uh, I'd write a blog every day um, for the 12 and a bit weeks that we were meant to be locked down. And uh, it was the last episode yesterday. Um, so published back at the start published by the fantastic people at Star and Crescent. So it's going to be very odd tomorrow morning sitting down at my desk and not having a blog to write. Well, I'm, I'm sure there are other, you know, if you feel the need to write something daily, I'm sure there are other places that you can um, you can put them for your... Short you answer, know. no. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> do you know what? When nothing happens, the pressure of having to write something worth reading every day, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've done my shift. Yeah, you're, you're quite happy to bail on that one, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our, and our, fr- and our friends at Star and Crescent um, won an award, didn't they, to, um, to help oh, them? Fanta- yeah, really fantastic news. You know, um, the European Journalism Award has awarded them €5,000 um, as part of their COVID fund, which is, is fantastic. So the guys absolutely work their butts off. Um, you know, they've never taken advertising money, um, you know, and they try and provide a, a platform for a whole variety of different voices in Portsmouth, you know, which is, is really, really important. So the fact that they've got a, you know, what is not a massive amount of money, but to those guys, I know it's it makes a huge difference. Yeah, a, a fantastic thing. Of the people that have joined our joined our comment section, um, Lynn says that she's um, she's enjoyed your blog. Phil says that it's fake blogging, and um, Scott Peter Harris says that it's good blog. So you're two for three. And to be fair, Phil Broom really he's not got much beyond Janet and John. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, um, um, there probably there were some words in there that he might have needed help with. Ian and Phil know each other of old, um, listeners, so don't worry. Yeah, we used, not, to, we used to work together. I'm not just being rude yeah, to the, he, He's to not just randomly insulting people on the internet. Um, we leave that to other people. Um, yeah, so uh, so my week, um, it was my birthday yesterday, um, which was um, fantastic because um, you and Nick, my sister, popped around um, with a um, card and a lovely, lovely um, bottle of rosé. Um, and some biscuits, um, and uh, my Lib Dem friends came around also with a with a song and a cake, which was which was fantastic. I I barely managed to not cry, um, which was good. Um, but I did do my back in earlier on in the week, so that wasn't so quite so good. So I was kind of like hobbling around uh, a bit. But so. you're you're Bubble Boy now, aren't you? Yes, Bubble Boy. That sounds like a film from the seventies. Um, so um, part of my birthday celebrations was I had a lovely steak dinner with my parents uh, yesterday evening. So um, they they we became a bubble. Is that the phrase? Is that what we're going with? I think uh, I think that's the generally accepted term. Yeah, we're going. Oh, well, thank you very much. I got some, getting some related happy birthdays. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, so um, yes, so it's it's been an interesting, if not painful, week. Um, so. Um, 
so what we wanted to do was so we've got a bit of a, a slightly different thing this week so we have again we've not we've not got a guest this week unfortunately our plans haven't kind of come to fruition so we wanted to talk about some some things um so we give a bit of context we're going to talk about on this day um but one of the biggest things that you might notice about today other than being obviously the um the day after my birthday um but it is of course someone else's birthday today um, I mean, I know a couple of people whose birthday it is today. It's actually Ivy's birthday today. So happy birthday, Ivy. Um, yeah. So, um, but it's also, and I'm sure she might be mildly horrified to learn that she does actually share her birthday with Donald Trump. So. <laughs> She's going to love her. Yeah, so happy birthday, uh, President Trump. Um, yeah. May you have retirement soon. Um, so, um, so that there is that, but we've got a kind of a, a great list of things that happened on this day in, in history. Well, yeah. And I think it puts it into context because, you know, one of the things that we're, you know, we're going to touch on today is the whole, you know, history and, and, and how, um, when you start to look back things, perhaps when you look at them through the lens of today, um, don't look a, especially good. Um, so, they're worth yes. touching on a on a few moments in history that happened on this day. The kaleidoscope of history. So, um, in no particular order, he says. So, on this day in 1822, Charles Babbage proposes the difference engine in a paper to the Royal Astr- Astronomical Society. So, effectively, the the proposal for what we'd first kind of recognise as a as a modern computer. Um, in 1847, Robert Bunsen invents the Bunsen burner, something that later became the joy of every chemistry student and the fear of every chemistry teacher. Um, In 1913, the South African government passes an immigration act restricting entry and free movement of of Asians, um, which was something that was uh, protested against, um, the protests were led by Gandhi. Um, In 1942, on this day, Anne Frank starts her diary. Yeah, hers, hers was a lot harder to do than mine. Yes, I'm trying desperately. That's that's um yes. So it, no, no, at... I, I, one of the episodes of my diary yes. was when when I started to get a bit glum was putting it into perspective that you know we talk about the social isolation of lockdown and the challenges that it faces. You know when you look at mm-hmm. the life of Anne Frank and family, you know hidden behind yeah. it a boarded up wall. You know yes, no, no. TV, no radio, no nothing, and in fear of your life, it kind of put everything into a bit of context. It, it, it does, yeah. I, I get your point. It's um, it really sharpens that into into perspective. Some other things, um, of course, three years ago today was the Grenfell Tower disaster, um, and thirty eight years ago was the um the cessation of the Falkland Islands conflict. See, I remember that vividly, Simon. Was so. As a lad who grew up in Gosport, so that would have been what eighty-two. Um, yeah, you know, I, I Gosport, like Portsmouth, naval town, and I remember, you know, several of my classmates who had parents that were, you know, serving on ships actively in the Falklands conflict, and, mm. and how very scary it was at the time. Yes, yes, very, um, very scary. I mean, um, I remember as a as a boy reading all the stuff in the. Um, stuff in the press um, as as things were kind of unfolding as you know at that age you don't necessarily kind of understand the the horrors of armed conflict um, and um, yeah all of those um, all of those souls that set off from Portsmouth um, um, and uh, you know sadly 
um, far too many of them um, didn't make it back, and some that did came back with, um, you know, with um, yeah, with um, life-changing injuries. Um, so we've um, we've also got um, got Tracy uh, has has joined us, and Lee has joined us. So we've got a bit more of a full complement. So. So we were so we we alluded that we were going to talk about how dangerous statues are, and here's our kind of comment about the danger of statues. Don't blink, don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you could believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away and don't blink. We don't mean those kind of statues, of course. We're not talking about the weeping angels, right? If everyone can come out, come from behind, hiding behind their sofas. No, it's just you don't know how dreadful it is for me to be involved in Doctor Who based nonsense and how it makes it even worse that it was my wife and your sister that who are the same person that suggested that so uh, well, we had we our first Doctor Who moment we, we did but you know um, I'm sorry it wouldn't be quite um, I wouldn't be quite living up to my to my um, to my nerding roots um, if I didn't at least bring some Doctor Who or Star Trek references in every now and then so um so the next part that we were going to talk about so we we'd had some discussions during the week that it might be fair to say didn't necessarily um conclude that well no um, no it, it went a bit new brexit didn't it <laughs> yes it went a bit new, um it went a bit um post brexit so um so we followed the theme that we ended up following with um so what we did, what we decided to do was when we i don't know if you can remember listeners that um we tried about three times to record an episode discussing our different viewpoints on the B word. Um, and in the end, what we agreed to do was to structure the show so that we would each talk about our particular case without interruption um, in order to kind of get that view across and, and then to try and um, discuss it further. So it did, it kind of tried to take the heat out of it. So we've, we've agreed that that's the format that we're going to follow. So we're going to talk in turn um, about our particular different viewpoints about statues. Um, now, it may be that you find that there's that there's disagreement, and our listeners may find that they agree with some of what Ian says, or some of what I say, or they disagree with both of us. Um, or you might agree with with both of us. I guess that that's that's equally possible. Um, but it's what we'd like to do is we'd like um, our chat room. We didn't tell you this in advance. But what we decided in ahead of going live was that the first person in our chat room is going to get to decide which of us gets to talk first. Um, and the first person into our chat room um, was Lynn. Um, so, Lynn Oliver, would you like to tell us in the chat room who you'd like to go first in talking about statues? And this is the point that Lynn doesn't answer. <laughs> yep. So we, we, we're poised like a coiled zebra. Um, I think we've got five people following kind of live. Um, yes, Phil, um, Brexit does seem like a lifetime ago. My, it, you know, it was only the end of January. Um, I'm stopping oh, myself from going any further. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do it, Simon. Don't do it. Um, so Lynn, are you there? Can you comment on whether you'd like me or Ian to go first? Ian, the arbiter has spoken Lynn has told us that, Ian, you are to go first, please. Thank you, Lynn. No. So I guess putting this into context, we, we, the, the discussion around statues has really come about after um, last weekend's Black Lives Matter protest in Bristol, where um, some of the protesters took a statue of Edward Coulson, I believe his name was, 
um, who had, you know, you can't dress it up, had made his money through the slave trade, dragged it off the plinth, threw it in the harbour. Um, and that has started the discussion as to, you know, what should we do with our statues? Um, that was then followed by the vandalisation of the statue of Winston Churchill, where the word racist was sprayed on it. And that has caused a fair amount of consternation across, you know, across social media. And so the question is, you know, what, what do we do with the questionable statues of the past? And if I look at Bristol, and I, you know, I did a little bit of research on this, Bristol is a town that, or city, that exists principally because of the slave trade. And Edward Coulson was absolutely instrumental in that. And having made his money in such appalling means, then basically gifted a great chunk of it to the city. So there are various, you know, buildings and, you know, uh, event places that are named after him. His name is writ large across Bristol. Now, my view on the statue is that, you know, the, the, the odd thing is that the, the statue didn't go up until, I think, 1895, which is 120 years after, um, you know, after his death. So it, it seemed a strange time to be celebrating him. And I think that, for me, the... The issue with do you take down a statue like that, and there's a suggestion you put it in a museum. But I, 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 my, my worry is that you then start to, you start to paint over the more unsavoury episodes of history. And, you know, I saw this with the Winston Churchill thing, you know, because a number of people said, well, you know, that, that's just speaking the truth. He was a racist. And... You know, if you heard his 1937 speech about, you know, I can't, I can't remember the, you know, trigger warning, this is not appropriate language, how, you know, he, he didn't feel for the Palestinians or, or the Native Americans, or I think as he described the Aboriginals, the blacks in Australia, because they were obviously outsmarted by a smarter people. You simply cannot live with that language today it is not acceptable the difficulty that i found as i've researched around this some more is that almost everybody who was in public life at that time has those elements in their past you know we we in this city have a charles dickens ward and charles dickens has this great reputation as being somebody who labelled for social justice and, you know, at his time was, was considered, you know, libertarian and was, was moving that cause forward. But you don't have to dig too deep to find, you know, things like um, in Oliver, the lead character is described as the Jew, I think 520 odd times in the first 30 chapters where nobody else is religion is um, is mentioned. He also gets plaudits for fighting against the slave trade. But in one of his speeches, he says, it is sure that a man should be free, but it is absolutely absurd that he should be allowed to vote. And, and you know, in terms of one of the 
criticisms delivered against Churchill is that, you know, the, the he was very anti-Indian and you don't have to search too far in, in Charles Dickens' writings and essays to find some hideous stuff about him celebrating the Hindus being massacred by British guns. So my my whole concern is that once you start to look at history and historical figures through today's lens, they do not stand scrutiny. They, they, their their behaviour, their language, their thoughts, just you know don't stand. And, and that's you know 150 years ago. You know, before we came on air, we were discussing what was acceptable television in the 70s. And, you know, some of the programmes that were that were shown at prime time were just racist stereotypes and tropes being rude to each other. So my overall position with the statue, and if I look at the Edward Colson one, yes, he shouldn't be glorified. Yes, he shouldn't be, you know, he shouldn't be held up as something he was not. But if you take down all of the statues of all of the historic figures that were bad people, you have no history left. And you can put it in a museum, but and I don't know the figures, but I don't think the younger generation, who sound like an old git now, who live their life vicariously through the internet, are going to go to physical museums and look at statues and the explanations of why these people were considered good people at the time and are now clearly seen through the lens of today as not good people. So for me, they should these statues should be in open display. There should be, you know, periodic updates as we learn more. And I am not a fan of pretend risking pretending that that stuff didn't happen by burying it okay is that you your remarks concluded i think so i didn't prepare a speech so no, I, that's I don't all. think I, that I, was I, a bad monologue no that's all I, I forgot to kind of set a timer so that we were both kind of given a, a kind of time limit but i also didn't want to interrupt so i just no that, that's fine i wait till i ran out of breath that was the <laughs> that was the best way that's what i was going We've for got that. um okay so thank you ian Okay, so um, I also did some uh, did some kind of cursory looking around, um, and this is see this is the interesting thing for me, is that um, while there are some people calling for um, all statues to be removed or all statues with any sort of link to um, things that we quite rightly by today's standards would consider questionable practices and and um, are what we would judge to be immoral practices. So there are, there are, although there are some people calling for those to be removed, there's, I think there's a difference between someone that personally benefited um, from um, immoral trade, um, regardless of what they did, you know, towards towards the end of the, you know towards the end of their life with um, you know what they bequeathed with their with their money. Um, I, I honestly don't know a straight answer to whether whether things should those things should be removed. For me, I think it's a question for the people in those areas to decide as to what they want to happen. Um, um, but actually, I, I don't think. See, I think I also find it a bit weird that on one hand, 
it seems that some people are concerned that removing them is erasing history. Um, but actually, what I think would be more, I don't think educational is the right word. What would be, um, all, all I would want to see is actually an accurate and fair reflection of history. Um, mm -hmm. We don't teach history by statues. Um, we don't teach children to learn about, you know, go and look at this statue to, to learn about it. We, we teach by reading books or, you know, we learn about history from, um, you know, from researching on the Internet or from, you know, from reading in, reading in books. Statues are who we glorify. Um, and we should be careful about who we choose to glorify because they say a lot about what we deem to be important. So glorifying a person like, and I, and I used Churchill as that's, you know, that's obviously a kind of, a, you know, he's obviously a clearly divisive figure um, in, in this, this sort of debate. Um, absolutely pivotal in, our, in us winning the, the, you know, the Second World War and, and protecting us from fascism. Um, he obviously didn't do it alone. There were, you know, there were thousands of people that um, that fought and lost their, and lost their lives. Um, but he does have a very checkered past, um, and I think there is actually merit in a conversation that isn't about. So at the moment, our presentation of him is this caricature figure that celebrates him for, you know, for quote unquote winning the sec winning the Second World War. When actually, when you look at his history, um, he said some things that we that to be honest, were racist, that were, that were white supremacist and that were, um, that they may, you, you, on some hand, you, you can say that some of them were of their, of his time, but there were actually people of his time that were questioning them at the time. Um, the, um, you know, some, some of his comments um, with regards to the Bengal famine um, and his decisions there to, um, to make sure that, um, that food resources were redirected away from, uh, away from um, the local population in order to be stored in case um, our armed forces needed them, um, you know, le led to the starvation of, you know, two to three million people. Um, his, his, you know, some of his military decisions in his early career, earlier career were, were, to be honest, were fundamental disasters, would make, would make our track and trace app look like a bloody success. Um, so I think we should learn about the truth about our uh, quote unquote heroes because they weren't yep. angels. Um, and actually there's a value in us understanding that rather than this, this heroic caricature that actually our heroes were very fallible people. Um, and they, and some of them come with very, very um, questionable bits of their past that, um, you know, that we certainly wouldn't celebrate now. Um, that we certainly wouldn't want to be uh, championing them and holding them up as a as a as an example of virtue. Um, so, uh, and this is what I find kind of interesting is somewhere in the mess of the conversation that goes on about should we have or should we not have statues. It, it, when you kind of break it down to some of the some of the kind of the binary points, do I support violence? No, I don't, and, and nor do you, Ian. Do do I support criminal criminal damage? No, no, I don't, and and I know that you don't. Um, do I support freedom of expression? Yeah, yes, of course I do. It's important that people should have the freedom to express themselves where someone else isn't at risk, where they're not threatening harm to someone else, but they also should be free. Um to accept the consequences of that expression. If someone says or does something that other people don't like or other people find offensive or is inciting hatred to whoever, um, then they should, be held to, they should be held to account to that. And I think history is about our past, but how we choose to remember it 
is really, really important because it brought us to where we are. And I think the context of understanding that some of these things, you know, we talked about the things that happened, you know, some of the things, some of the comedies that were in programs in the 70s or even the 80s were things Gosh, that you would yeah. never commission now. Um, it, it's in, we, we shouldn't be removing those things from the historical record. We should be learning that those things used to be deemed acceptable and aren't now. And that's because we've got progress. Um, and because we have a better understanding of um, of actually, um, sorry, I'm just seeing Scott Peter Harris's um, um, a question. I think he's kind of roughly um, roughly agreeing with me. Sorry, it's put, put me off my throat a bit. But I think it's really important that history is about our past. It doesn't dictate our future. But we should learn the truth about our past. We shouldn't we shouldn't be lying to ourselves that about this. To be honest, this this very lazy kind of nationalistic English exceptionalism, um, I wouldn't. I don't think it's appropriate to kind of wander around the run, wander around the country draped in our nation's flag, kind of trying to claim pride at the duty and decisions made by people that, um, to be honest, that um, made the ultimate sacrifice decades before I was well, before I was born. Um, I do think. The, the right thing to do is to acknowledge that those things happened, that some of the people involved with those decisions weren't always right and weren't saying and doing things that we would actually agree with. I think it would be wrong to remove them from the historical record because where, you know, but, but currently our historical record is blemished by it being written in the, in the, in the narrative of victory, this, this exceptionalism of we and you know to some people this kind of the second world war is a, is a really good example we talk about oh we, we won the second world war yet we did with with a group of allies with a, allied nations a multitude of different nations that fought with us to defend fascism um so it wasn't you know you know cups of tea and english stiff upper lip wasn't what won the second world war we did that because we worked together with other countries um to to stop fascism and i think that's kind of really really important um flipping back a bit um colston's statue being chucked into the water um considering his involvement with you know many many thousands of um slaves being obviously kidnapped kidnapped and forcibly shipped off to other countries some of whom many thousands of whom perished in the journey so drowned um yep I, you know there's, there's almost a bit of poetic irony and justice in his statue being dumped in the water and that in itself actually being an historical comment on his on his part in that history we shouldn't sanitize our history we should be open to understanding what really did happen empire wasn't this brilliant thing us marching around the planet, invading half the countries that we we came across, um, and ruling the, ruling the planet for two hundred years, and then spending seventy the last seventy years, you know, we spent two hundred years invading the planet, telling everyone how brilliant we were and how fantastic it was here, and then we spent the last seventy years complaining why some of them wanted to come here and to make a better life. Um, it just it just isn't a faithful reproduction uh, and a truth of what got us here, or even indeed what sort of country we are. And I think. That's got us to some of the situations that we're facing at the moment. Um, mm. And it isn't a fair reflection of, of who we are and what we're about. We are meant to be a country that is in favour of fair play, in truth, justice, honour, duty um, and equality amongst the, uh, you know, in, um, for, the, for everybody to have the freedom 
and the freedom to live their lives without um, being bothered by the police, without being bothered by uh, by government, um, and actually to live their lives as long as they're not bothering other people. That's that's the freedom of our liberal values as, as a country, um, and we should be honest about that. Um, if Germany managed at the end of the Second World War in four years to tear down all of the architectural um, so um, references to Nazism or the symbols of Nazism and the statues celebrating Hitler and Nazism. No one forgot that Hitler existed, despite all those statues being torn down. Um, but they managed to do that in four years. I think it's high time we had a conversation about who we want to celebrate as a modern country and the, the statues that we still want to continue to display. We should be displaying them with documented context of what they were like as a person, what sorts of things they were for and against, and how times have changed. Because it, it is the remarking of how times have changed that actually gives me faith in human society um, that we are a progressive society and we are moving forward. Um, and actually, when you look over the march of time, we have made strides and improvement in how we treat each other. There is so much, so much more to do uh, to make that fair and equal, um, but we don't service that progression of fairness by pretending that the past didn't happen. And I think you make some some really great points in there, Simon. I, I think the the and you're right. You know, with a figure as as writ large as Hitler, then you know that 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 is not going to that's not going to 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 fade into history. I think the piece that I find really challenging is that element of who decides of the historical figures who stays and who goes. Because I think there is an element of, and, and, and this talks to a subject we've, we've spoken about before, which is the, the, the footballization of discussion or the turning of it into a parlour game of good or it, there's a great podcast evil genius where effectively you have to boil everything down to is the person evil or genius and i think that's where i, I struggle with it because there is an element of and I, I was playful if you were to select any famous person of greater than 50 60 years ago from portsmouth I would back myself to find something they said or did which is unacceptably offensive if looked at through today's lens. You know, and you, I, I touched on Charles Dickens. Um, you can do the same for Arthur Conan Doyle, Nelson. You know, just I know I'm just picking historical figures out. But there's an element of you can find parts about their character that we would not find acceptable today. You know, in the same style with Winston Churchill, I think you're absolutely right. You know, well, greatest man in history, greatest, greatest man in history, saved this country from the fascists. It's greatest man in history. No. A, a man of his time and somebody who had a bullish leadership style which got us through one of the darkest periods in history, but not a universally good man. You know, and again, I... This is where I, I struggle because, you know, there are people, uh, if you look at the, you know, there was a report at the weekend 
of a far right group that were going to look to go to London to tear down the statue of Nelson Mandela. Well, if you look at Mandela's life, he, he was absolutely the architect of the end of apartheid. But the first steps along that journey, he was a terrorist. Well, you know, yeah, well, he, he and his, he and his, you know, his his allies to to move that forward blew people's cars up. The, now the, that that might see, you know, and again, I absolutely get that people would argue that the means justifies the end, but there's an element of, and that, and I, I know that's a very provocative one to throw out there. But, you know, the one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Ah, you got me. <laughs> who decides? I was gonna I was gonna come in with that. And yeah. Yeah, you um that that you know, that that is that is true. I mean you know, an, another um easy example from history. Um look at um the Americans fighting for you know, for independence, um, were considered a were considered terrorists. because um, yep. they were splitters. Um they were you know, they were trying you know, trying to you know, trying to you know, basically they were um, in favour of sedition. Um, but they were considered terrorists because rather than dress in brightly coloured coats and walk down the road, um, like the um, like the British soldiers were doing at the time, they were hidden in the bushes um, shooting at them. Um, so it's, th- there's the whole kind of thing of, yeah, you're right, one man's terrorist is, an, is, an, is another man's freedom fighter. Um, and it also kind of speaks to... Um, you know, to, to go back to, you know, we talked about Anne Frank, the, the people that harboured Anne Frank and her family were breaking the law. Yep. yep. Um, you know, the Nazis that searched for her um, and, you know, um, imprisoned her and, t- and took, her, um, took her and her family away to uh, concentration camps were following the law. So the law isn't always just and right. So, in, you know, in, in some respects... Um, I I don't know whether that kind of chant because there's a very British value of, uh, you know, um, of following the law and of um, making sure that um, you know that at the end of the day we we have to follow the law otherwise there will be chaos. I'm about to try and sne- I'm about to sneeze so I'm trying desperately not to do that while I've got the mic live. Um, and you <sighs> laws change. Some of our historic laws, and we've talked about them before, some of our, our historic laws were fundamentally unjust and people broke them because they were unjust. Um, and then the laws changed in order to make them just. I mean, I, I'm, the example I'm thinking yep. of is, is, you know, obviously about, um, you know, about, uh, um, uh, about gay sex um, and about how that's kind of, pro- how that's progressed, uh, how the legal situation has changed over the last 50 years. Um, we, laws change what we consider important is changed. The Victorians um, tried to pretend that lots of the parts of um, historic Greek and Roman culture didn't happen because of their particular values, um, their particular, to be honest, their, their particular Christian values um, with regards to what was moral and what was not. Um, they tried to, that there was that erasure of those sorts of parts of uh, Greek and, and Roman history. So, yeah, um, I think we're civilized enough as a society to accept that we should have those things that we should ref- fairly reflect the history um, and have discussions about what is what are values that we either agree with or that we disagree with 
I think that to, to put to go to your question about who should decide, I think the people in that area should be the ones that decide as to what um, what statues um, should be um, should be uh, should be displayed because choosing who you celebrate in your area is a choice for the local people. Um, I, no, I, no one I, I is agree. no one is suggesting like I know you. Sorry, go on. No, no, the, the 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 subtlety for me and the nuance. And it's and I reference the podcast because I think it is a it, it's very interesting when if you haven't listened to it it is well worth going back and listening to um, some ep- some episodes because what what you find is that often with pe- very famous people from history there is a deal breaker in terms of today's lens and. You know, often that's related either to sexual conduct or it's about racism or it's about, you know, it, it's it's about behaviour that we look at through today's lens and we just go, do you know what, that that is not acceptable, evil. And, and I think that that's, that's my concern is that we, we are sensitive, and it's right that we should be, to a lot of those issues, the Me Too movement, the LGBTQ community, you know, all of those things we've made massive strides on. And it's why I, I, I struggle to believe that we can, you know, you can look back through history and justify any of that behaviour being of its time. You know, and I referenced that speech by Churchill, and I read it yesterday, and I just, it was, it's ghastly. There's no other word for it. You can't can't look at that through any other lens of, other than of horror. Yeah, I I, I did, um, I did get the... um another another quote where we talked about using um using tear gas on protesters um so there are there, you know there are there are questions about that and we you know he, he talked about another one which is i'm strongly in favor of using uh, poison gas against uncivilized tribes um and yeah there and, were all there and, were all sorts and, of things and those those were you know those those are horrific things to consider um but that's why it's important to reflect them and understand that he said those things. I'm not celebrating them by any means. No, but no. I but I think that pretending it it kind of I, the tr- the trouble with wars is that it's very easy in in the propaganda that takes place during wars, the enemy is always presented as this sort of evil um, entity yep. that um, burns villages. Um, that um that you know pillages villages that um that uh, you know sexually assaults women and murders babies and all that sort of stuff um that is absolutely horrific but those war doesn't win you know war doesn't really work for anybody because horrific things happen in war and yep. there are no good and and bad sides in that respect because as we've seen to our horror um we're not absolved as a you know as a as a country we're not absolved from those atrocities um and it, it's just kind of worth 
worth remembering, worth remembering and challenging this perception of we were always the good guys, we were always the perfect ones, we were always the ones that did stuff out of duty and valour and honour, when... I, I, that that sadly isn't always the case. Um, I wanted. You're, to... you're absolutely right. Now I wonder, linking the start of our program to now. Yeah. You know, we talked about 1981, 1982, and the Falklands War. Mm -hmm. And you know, basically, Argentina believed the islands belong to them. They believe they're the Malvinas. The Argentinians invaded. We sent a we sent a task force off to quote unquote liberate them and bring them back under British control. Now that was done in an age of no social media. And I do wonder if that happened today, what social media would be saying about whether we should be going to take the Falklands back. Are you, are you talking to kind of the conversation of should we be militarily holding on to these vestiges of empire? Yeah. Well, that, that, that would be the question, wouldn't it? Uh, you know, if you look at the time, there was absolutely, or, or if, if those questions were being asked, there was no platform to ask them. The, 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 the media was very much... The Falklanders Islands are British, the Falkland Islanders are British, and they've been invaded by a foreign power. We cannot and will not let that situation continue. Yeah, it's I mean it's a I, I understand the point. I I guess there's a and I'm trying to make no comment on it because I think we kind of drag off to a kind of different a different, an entirely different question, which is worthwhile, possibly of another episode mm. um, about that. And I think some of that is the, you know, the vestiges of basically this kind of imperialist attitude that is the let the hangover of, of our empire. You look at other countries that had empires um, and how some of them have, to this day, held um, held political. Um, or even more than political influence to yep. the um, you know to islands or um, colonies or um, continents even that that actually previously they'd um, they'd invaded and subjugated. So it's so that there's a there's a kind of wider uh, conversation around that. Um, and I, I think what's interesting is that broadly what we're both saying is that we should we should accurately document our history. Um, and we should we should demonstrate that because not because we're not ashamed of the things that were horrific that that made our past, but because it's important that we don't try to brush them under the carpet, that we don't try to leave ourselves with this false impression that these things didn't happen and therefore um, mm. consider ourselves to be um, brilliant and um and saviors um to the places that we went. I did want to kind of just jump to some of the some of the comments. Um, that mm, we've got no, on the page, great. if that's because they've been firing along quite um, quite nicely. So we've had. Um, uh, so Lee said, every generation will reevaluate history. There's no doubt a reboot is ongoing, and young people see things differently. Um, 
Phil said that Churchill's statues are there to recognise his contribution to the Second World War, not his commentary on social integration. And as you say, there ha- there was no military. Ma- he was no military mastermind, but he was the one who took a stand when um, others looked the other way. He, he was certainly bloody minded enough to basically say, "No, we're not. We're not kind of doing this." With despite there being well, lots of calls to do yeah, otherwise. Yeah, ma- many of his, many of his, um, many. Uh, it's well documented at the time mm-hmm. that many urged him to to do a deal with Germany. Yes. Basically, y- you can have Europe. Um, leave us alone. Yeah, there were there were lots of interesting attempts to appease or to carve up. There was even his proposal to um, to unite France and um, and Great Britain. Um, yep. in order to try and stop the Germans invading it. Uh, Phil goes on to say um, things that are now said to be wrong are only wrong by today's views, um, but at the time activities were may well have been perfectly acceptable. Um, what we're doing today that would be considered unacceptable in 100 years' time, that's, that's a good point. What, what Ian and I are, talking, are saying today, and perhaps even the very words we're using today, in, you know, in 20 years' time, would, would, may well be considered quite questionable. Um, Definitely. Um, our friend Scott Peter Harris says history isn't written in a narrative of victory though it's a populist conception the style does uh, still exist but it's one point of view it is easy to say one narrative exists the true reality saw a massive growth in culture and social history in the 1980s which is I think it's kind of point blows off but um, Lee says about slavery is still happening and like to see the energy directed to ending it ending the current slavery um, and even the, uh, and especially the, the slavery that's happening here in the UK. Um, Lynn says that there were debates at the time before Mandela's, Mandela's statue went up. Um, and um, do, 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 I'm just trying to see. Um, yeah, Phil's interesting um, um, concentration of the point, which was uh, Phil saying, but, uh, but are these people celebrated or are they just left over street furniture? Yeah, no, and I, I think that's a good point. And it's interesting because just while you've been reading those out, I've been reflecting on the local people should decide. Mm. So, uh, and that kind of feels like the right thing to do. But then I guess if I was a Bristolian, would I be would I be much happier if all historical references to the slave trade and the slave traders that built my city, would I be happier if they were all removed? I think I probably would, because it's an uncomfortable truth that so many of the the big public spaces and buildings and, you know, those historical buildings were built with the money from the slave trade. And that is, that's an uncomfortable truth, isn't it? And maybe, but maybe that's the broader point. Maybe that's why our statues of celebration have this varnished version of history, because the mm. truth is too uncomfortable. And it's good that that truth is uncomfortable, um, but not, um, not accepting the discomfort and pretending that it isn't there um, does a disservice to to future generations and creates this false impression that, we, that we've talked about. Um, mm. I was asking people to. If I think about Coulston, mm-hmm. how many of us, in all honesty, before last weekend, had ever heard of him? And that, and that's true. So maybe the actions of uh, of him being dumped in the river um, were uh, have actually served to educate us all 
um, or to encourage us all to educate ourselves on actually what his role was. So there's, there's an interesting, there's an interesting uh, point of that. But there were, for years, there have been local campaigns mm. to actually remove or actually to amend the statute to include comment about his involvement in um, in the uh, kidnapping, enslavement, and uh, and death of um, tens of thousands of slaves. So it's not as if a load of people woke up one morning and decided to tear him down and dump him in the river. They tried to actually have a reflective amendment made um, to the statue and that hadn't worked. So in that kind of context, it speaks to the local people were saying that they, they wanted a more accurate reflection of mm. his part in the city's history. You know, our city, um, a, you know, centuries long, um, history involved, you know, involved with the navy. So, uh, I'm sure we have, you know, we have crosses to bear about our involvement as a city in um, in oppressions of other people, because you know that's you know the navy was was um, used in order to do that in centuries past, um, and and perhaps even some involvement in, uh, you know, sadly in the in the despicable practice of the the, the slave trade. So, we oh, should yeah, and we should in, in any port city is is going to have yeah. you know. It, there, there were the, you know, famously being from Gospel, there was the Turkish prisoner of war ships that were moored up in, mm -hmm. in you know, you've got the situation where a number of the, you know, ships set sail from here, from Australia, full of convicts. There is an element of, you know, if you are a port city, that there is always going to be elements of your past that you are not especially proud of mm. but then you, you know and that's why i think it is that and that's the point i was making about if you look at any person from history for long enough you will find the parts of their character that are completely unacceptable by today's standards so whilst it is an element of of you know making sure that you provide a balanced you know a balanced um view of history it, 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 I wonder whether in today's culture, people can accept that. So, you know, if we look at Charles Dickens and we've got a Charles Dickens ward, you know, I, I, I do wonder whether with some of that stuff that I dug out today about Charles Dickens, and again, I, you know, he left his wife and 14 children to go and do some philandering and left them destitute. You know, there is an element of he wasn't necessarily the 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 good forward thinking social entrepreneur that that he celebrated as you know through through the lens no but is is learning that our and i use in inverted commas hero is learning that our heroes weren't angels learning that actually they they had some of them had some particularly yeah. horrendous and immoral pasts um, and were involved in some particularly um despicable practices um, regardless of kind of looking at them through the context of the you know the decades or centuries that, that have passed but learning that our heroes weren't perfect learning that they were imperfect also provides a bit of context because the one of the things that we see nowadays is the attack for imperfect do you know what i mean is that mm. we expect perfection off of our public figures um and actually um, then wonder why people don't want to get involved in being public yeah. figures because yeah. actually we're holding them up to this impossible standard. Um, shall I go to a couple of the more comments because because the comment section is racing away. 
Um, yeah. Happy. Yeah, so time is yes. Time, time is, is also, pushing on. As as we've said, history is <laughs> um, the past is history. Um, and so time is not forgiving of us either. It's still clocking away. So we're at twenty past seven. So um, Scott continues. Um, the attack of history at present is a concern, but I suspect many social, economical, economic, and cultural historians up and down the country are rubbing their hands at the pound signs for potential book sales. That's yes, a, that's a yes. bit cynical, Scott. Um, 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 Scott did offer to um, offer to jump onto the call, but he was finish, He's finishing his roast dinner, so I don't want him to get indigestion. Um, right. And Lee suggested that, but he was um, do- suffering from dodgy internet connection. Um, David David says, um, oh, um, he worked in Dubai for a while, and their employment system is tantamount to slavery. Um, Two hundred dollars a month, twenty four months on one off. The employer holds your passport. Yes. Um, yep. So, uh, but not for him, but for the many migrants from the Philippines, Bangladesh, India, India and Malaysia. So that you know, that's a really you know, practically no, paid indentured nine, servitude, isn't it? Yeah, nine, Ninety-seven percent immigrants in Dubai. Yes. Um, and Ivy said Ivy's made a couple of comments. I wanted to capture because there were. Um, so Ivy said, so I don't think anyone is pushing for a less understanding for less understanding just a better integrated historical understanding being actually applied within society art is inherently political um, and sadly a lot of that um, that is understood by those who created the statues um, and if anything throwing the statue in the river was a more powerful and active piece of art than the statue had ever been um, you, you're probably right Ivy that funnily enough we probably learnt more from it being chucked in the river than it would than it being put up in the first place yep um so um yes so we've um ah and and um scott's bailed so um he's um he's decided to um he's got to go and get his pudding (laughs) um he's deserted us for dessert so um yeah so an interesting an interesting conversation there is that um it seems that trying to kind of find the common thread because one of the things that we talked about um um is is actually what we want is an accurate and fair reflection of our history rather than any varnished um and edited version of our history uh yeah i think we, we i think we've we we want we want that rounded picture um uh, and again i think my my piece is that if you are prepared to accept that there is a rounded that you want a realistic and accurate portrayal of a historical character then unless we're just going to put all of them into a storage unit and pretend they never existed, then we've got to be more comfortable, I think, with the fact that they are going to have some flaws, imperfections and ghastliness that's going to make us uncomfortable. Yeah, Um there is um ivy makes the makes a point about is it perfection or is it just holding our leaders and representatives to a standard i mean whether that's our current leaders or our historic leaders um yeah. I, I think there's there, there's a i think there's a there's a difference between holding people to account um and, and a difference between having expectations of of our leaders um in inverted commas that we don't have with other people do you know what I mean? In the, if we hold yeah. them to a, yeah. I, I get the kind of concept of the higher standard, but if that higher standard is impossible, 
Um, <laughs> that, and that's that's exactly where I was about to go, Simon. Then, it's, it's that element of, and again, risk of getting biblical on a Sunday. You know, it's let the day to do it if he, you're going to. To be, you know, fair. yeah. Let he, she, or anyone who identifies as anything else who is without sin cast the first stone. And uh, you're right about holding our leaders to account. But but if they have to be, if they have to be blemish free, in an era where so much of people's lives can be examined through the lens of social media. Well, who will step forward to lead? An interesting point. And at 7.23, I think that's an interesting question to, an open question, rhetorical as it is, for us to... Yes, beautifully rhetorical. So you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm 90 days into lockdown, but still Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm... Simon Sansbury, a little bit more mobile than I was on Thursday. <laughs>